Evolutionary thinking is, you know, we're animals and we have these instincts and there's nothing we can do to control them, which is so evil, you know, because we have a moral uh, compass. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family and filmmaking. I'm Amber Archer, co-host of this show and flying solo today as I introduce to you my new friend from Alaska and fellow warrior for the Lord, Priscilla Hurley. Since working on our new documentary film, The Mind Polluters, about the premature sexualization of children in the school classrooms, and so much more, I always love speaking with others who have actually been in the classroom as the expert or teacher so that you, our listeners, can hear firsthand what is being taught to America's children. I reached out to Priscilla after reading an article she wrote in the Alaska Watchman, which I'll leave a link to that article in the show notes. And remember, you can find all the show notes and search this podcast archives by visiting fearlessfeatures.org forward slash podcasts. Listen in as Priscilla shares her amazing testimony for the Lord and her experience as a sex ed teacher. All right. So I just want, I, I was fascinated with your article on, what was it, the Alaskan Watchman? Is that what it was called? Yes, that's our little, um, that's our conservative uh, digital news source. So. Oh, well, good. Well, can you can you just tell me and, and share with listeners what's happening? You know, give people a back your background and, you know, what prompted you to write this piece in, in which I'll leave a link to it in our show notes um, for the podcast for everybody else to go and read as well, because I think it was so powerful and so insightful for parents to understand what's actually happening. Well, thank you for the compliments. It was, you know, I, I, I was COVID retired in 2020, (laughs) which was fine with me, but it's kind of propelled me back into ministry opportunities. And um, I taught abstinence education in California, Southern California, um, during, it was during the nineties. So, it, you know, it was a while ago, but I think some essentials are the same. They just haven't changed. So I, um, learned a lot doing that. It was, I did it for nine years and we, um, had a wonderful program that was very biblically precepted, but not, uh, but in the public schools, and it was a 501c3, so it wasn't incorporated as a parachurch off, you know, offering. But um, it taught kids basically how to look at this decision as you would critically anything else, you know, mm-hmm. that there's going to be an opportunity for you to become sexually active, but you need to have, you have your brain working about the decision and not necessarily just from the waist down, if you know what I mean. So that's kind of where our program focused. And we gave them three decision groups, you know, yes to sex, undecided or wait. And, you know, we had wait till marriage in the 90s. I don't know if that would fly in the public schools today, but but it's still wait. You know, it's still an abstinence decision. And I think there's quite a bit of support for that even today. What we're up against is a, a ideology that does, you know, it's again, it's again, evolution versus God's creation. Right. Yeah. So evolutionary thinking is, you know, we're animals and we have these instincts and there's nothing we can do to control them, which is so evil, you know, because we have a moral uh, compass. Um, And so young people are being bombarded by these messages of 
you know, feeling good. And it just kind of retakes me back to my college days. Uh, If it feels good, do it right. You know, Mm -hmm. because that's what we got sucked into back then in the late sixties that dates me, but this is part of why I was able to write that article because Mm -hmm. of my real life experience, uh, Amber, you know, I've, I have, uh, I had a, I was under a curse of abortion for 30 years, um, starting and just to give you a little piece of my, of my personal journey through this. I mean, I was, my mom, God rest her soul, um, was widowed when she was, she had four children and she was widowed. She was pregnant with me. So she panicked. Yeah. Um, this was a long time ago. And so she went to to Fran's house and oh, went across the border to Mexico to try to have a doctor abort me, um, which is why I'm part of the Abortion Survivors Network with Melissa D. Odin. And yeah. that's, yeah, so she's, she. I'm part of the leadership team there. I've gotten very involved with them. But, <clears throat> but so I, I didn't find out about that until I was 19. Mm. And my mom decided to tell me that, by the way, I tried to have you aborted. She did that after they had just coerced me into having an abortion myself. Oh, yeah. I was a 19-year-old co-ed. So Mm -hmm. um, I follow, I was, you know, naive (laughs) 19-year-old, very unsophisticated. So I went to my my mom and dad. She remarried in 1951, 50. So um, anyway, so that, that added trauma to trauma, but, but in a way it explained a lot of my own personal behaviors uh, mm-hmm. because I always felt um, unloved. I felt unwanted. I didn't have a good relationship with my mom. I did with my siblings, but not with my mother. She never bonded with me. So there were some deficits mm-hmm. in my, in my own emotional and spiritual and, you know, personal life. So when I went to college, I just sexualized all those needs <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. because I was young and pretty and, you know, it's easy to attract guys. And so, you know, that's kind of where I was. But um, so I went through that 25 uh, in a relationship, got pregnant again. And this time he was influ- heavily influencing that decision. So I went along with it. I didn't, it was a lot to fight against. So I went along with it. I didn't really want to, but it was, it was after Roe versus Wade. So they were doing a different procedure. Uh, I didn't have to go into the hospital. I went into a private doctor's office and, but it was a horrific experience, you know, horrifying, probably because I was awake and I heard everything, you know, and you just know intrinsically because you're God, even though I didn't know God, he, he still was there with me and he allowed me to experience the horror of that. And um, I didn't know what to do with that. And my boyfriend knew somebody who worked in an abortion clinic. So that propelled me, almost compelled me to go minister to other women, so to speak, even though I wasn't a believer. But I thought, well, I'm going to be the person that cares for them, you know that yeah. listens to them, that goes through that with them and not what have you, so what you wanted and needed, what I missed, what I did yeah. not have and mm-hmm. nobody to talk to nothing. But once I got in there and I worked there two and a half years, I was 
you know, I, I became pretty aware that they really didn't. I mean, you know, I didn't cognitively know it because I was just going day to day. I, and I knew I was helping people. Right. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have again, the, the Lord wasn't I wasn't regenerated in Christ. Right. Right. So I was just seeing it in a different way then. And, um, but, but God, uh, intervened in my life very powerfully. And he, uh, one morning I was on my way to work and I got T-boned by a a very, uh, big car. I had a little Volkswagen bug, Uh which was the most (laughs) dangerous car you could have. And I was in San Francisco, but I got, um, hit by this car I went, I was immediately uh, thrown to the floor and I was unconscious. I don't, I woke up in the hospital, you know, (laughs) I had no idea what happened. But I do remember looking out the window in my car from the floor of my car, seeing a man out there who told me very calmly and gently that I was going to be okay. And I think that was God's way of Bring, sending a messenger of hope to me that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna pass away because I, it was a bad accident. I broke my neck and dislocated my shoulder, but I was young and healthy, so I, I recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of pivoted my mindset, and I think that whatever happened in the spirit realm at that time <clears throat> affected me day to day in my, in my perspective. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Alaska to finish my graduate program from San Francisco. And I didn't want to do it at first, but then I thought, you know, that sounds really good to me. And a friend of mine was going to go too. So I thought, well, let's just do this. So I went to rural Alaska, which is not Anchorage, not Fairbanks, not Juneau, but rural way out in Southwest Alaska. And I, Mm -hmm. I loved it. I fell in love with it because I worked with the Yupik Eskimo people and many other tribes. And I just, um, I don't know, it offered something very intrinsically authentic and real to me. You know, I was away from San Francisco craziness, mm-hmm. the abortion clinic. I quit the abortion clinic before I went. And it was like the Lord was bringing me to a place where he could speak to me. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> but I did what I knew how to do, which was to get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of sounds funny, but it this is a story of God's true redemptive work in my life because um, this time I um, I don't know I just had a different view on it, and I um, went to my family and they said, "Oh, you should have another abortion, just you know." And I said, no, not this time. So I had the internal strength to say that. And maybe yeah. it was because I was older. I was, I had my master's degree, doggone it. I knew I was going to be able to provide somehow for this child. So mm-hmm. I said, no. And I had my son. And four months later, I was back. I was in Dillingham and I was where I was. That's where I was living now because I took a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And my friend who witnessed Christ to me, I was in her place with my son, and that's when I came to Christ. I just got on my knees. And I thought, I, I'm just, I really realize I need a savior, you know. And this, she had this piece of the Holy Spirit pamphlets on her. Praise the Lord! I was like, that's what I need. And so, 
I really came in. I mean, God used her to to bring. I call her my spiritual mom. We're still friends, and yeah. I, you know, I just think she was the witness that of grace, and you know, she befriended me when I felt so alone in the world. And then anyway, so I came to the Lord, you know, there was quite a journey after that I had, I did marry the father and I had two more children. Um, and then, um, so how old were you at this point? I was in my thirties, early okay. 30s. I had that. I lost the two children to abortion in my 20, 19 and 25. Yeah. And then I got pregnant again at 30 and had him in, at 31. So, but I, I'm telling you all this because of my passion for abstinence, because nobody educated me. And I went, I just lost, I lost so much as a result of not being aware or even challenged to think about what I was doing. I just allowed my needs. And that was another deficit on my part. I was tremendously needy and Sex isn't a place to go get your needs met, but a lot of people do it, right? <clears throat> right, right. And so... Um, it's all about how we feel, and we have to make sure that we always feel good. Yeah, it's a soothing technique. If you look mm-hmm. at trauma, if you look at trauma and what that is, and how we respond to trauma, uh, we want to soothe ourselves. That's part of what, what that response is. But it's not dealing with the real true problem. And I came to realize, and I wrote this in that article, I taught family planning for years, Amber, and I knew all about how to teach to prevent pregnancy, try to prevent pregnancy. But then when they asked, I I was working uh, as a pregnancy counselor, and they wanted me to do uh, natural planning, natural family planning. And I thought, okay, What's that? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, but I, I'm willing. So I, I went through a training and I just and I was a Christian now. Right. So I uh-huh. God was renewing my mind and educating me and and, um, you know, wisdom, you know, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and and, you know, knowledge of the Holy One is the beginning of understanding. So I started really opening my mind to new revelations from the Lord. It was just amazing. But so during this part of my life, which was, um, I was probably in my mid thirties, I had two children and I, I realized my goodness, God created this uh, women to reproduce. That's what we're here for, you know, because our bodies are so intricately designed to create life and to do all of the, the work it takes to mark, to mark down your temperature and your mucus and your this and <laughs> yeah. your that. And I'm going, my goodness, I was amazed. And it was just like a big revelation in my mind. And I thought, why are we trying so hard to prevent and rebel against God's plan for our lives, right? So that was a really big moment for me. And um, so I that changed my thinking. I, I eventually moved back to Alaska with my husband because he was he wasn't he was an Alaskan and he, he didn't do too well because we were back and forth to California and Alaska. But anyway, we went back and um, I had divorced and I was in my late mid to late 30s because it wasn't a healthy, which is another testimony of mine, right, because of decisions I made. Uh, but I, and nothing, and nothing is wasted. The Lord, you, you've gone through all of these things so that you can speak life into other people. 
And and that's why it, when I read your article and I thought, I need to speak to this woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was it was exciting. I you know, I didn't want to be a single mom for all you single moms listening. I did not want to be a single mom, you know, but I had a, a you know, a, not a healthy marriage. There was a lot of biblically justified reasons to not keep the marriage together and but I became a single mom (laughs) so I just thought okay Lord it's you and me here um I'm gonna do the best I can and you're gonna help carry this carry me through this so Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity we were in Alaska still and I had an opportunity to to move later to California um and this was after I discovered as a parent in this little town in Southwest Alaska, we got the book, the Dinah Richard book, Has Sex Education Failed Our Teenagers? And we, I was just reading through that with a small group of friends, parents that were wanting to advocate for abstinence. And that's like, what's abstinence? I had no clue, you know, because I, I just never learned it. I never lived mm-hmm. it. I had no idea what it was. And so when I... read through her book and looked at it. I was in charge with writing a position paper for our little school board there in the school. (laughs) And I got on fire. I was so just like, you know, I got so excited about learning about this. Mm -hmm. Because as a single woman, too, I thought, okay, so I never knew how to do a relationship with a man outside of the carnality part Mm of it, you know, which in the world, that's what it is the fornication part, right? So yeah, let's call it what it is, right? So I, um, so I was like, so intrigued by this. And and what happened after the board did agree to uh, include abstinence as part of their curricula. So yay, win for that. But also, a friend of mine, my spiritual birth mother moved to California, Southern California, she, this is so weird because she was working for a crisis pregnancy center and volunteering. And she was aware of a program uh, that was going to be closing because the founder was burnt out. And she told them about me. They contacted me. They flew me down to Southern California for an interview uh, to take over this uh, nonprofit that was teaching abstinence in the schools. And I just was like, Wow, are you kidding me, Lord? What are you doing here? This is so exciting, you know. And I, and so I, they offered me the job. I, it wasn't enough, right, to take mm-hmm. care of myself and my three children. So my dad, here with my dad and my mom, talk about redemption. They moved in. They just said, "We're going to help you out financially until you can get up and you know get things moving and make more money." <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, how it works in the nonprofit world, right? So. So I said, okay. And I went down there for nine years. We taught uh, this four or five day program that uh, changed the lives of many, many young people. And we did parent education. So that was very empowering as well. So I, I think I still have this. And then I came back to Alaska and I worked in the home health industry for a number of years. So I kind of went into exile basically. Um, but now that I'm retired, I kind of thought, you know, I really want to use what I've, uh, my real life experience through here to try to encourage other people. And it's a story about 
the Lord really, right? Because I, I was under that curse. And I, that's another thing about generational abortion. You know, you, you know, a lot of abortion-minded women going into pre- pre- uh, pregnancy resource centers, how many of their mothers have had abortion? You know, yeah. my mom wasn't pro-life. Uh, she, she later when I talked to her about the abortion attempt, um, she did never really wanted to talk much about it. Right. Cause it was painful. She carried a lot of shame about it. Um, she realized it impacted my life significantly, um, yeah. I think. And she, she never apologized. She never said, I'm so sorry for doing that, you know, and that's okay. I mean, I forgave her anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. But and I understood her grief because I felt it. I was in the womb. She yeah. was widowed. I understood her grief because I, you know, that the man that she lost was an incredible guy, you know, is bigger than life, experimental test pilot, handsome, the life of the party. And all of a sudden he's gone. Yeah. So, yeah. So we talked about that and um, I was able to at least get a little bit more of the pieces of the story there. So, but yeah, I, I wrote that article because um, so many school boards are getting it wrong. They're just are really getting it wrong. And one of the things that I remember um, a young woman saying in the classroom where you would talk about condoms, you know, because at that stage, that was the beginning of the condoms being available in schools mm-hmm. because of HIV AIDS, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. <laughs> so they were being provided. And I said, well, let me ask you, how does it feel to you if somebody's saying, here, use this condom to prevent what could be a, a very devastating disease, you know, mm-hmm. use this condom and you'll be fine. How does that feel? And it was dead silence. And then finally, a girl spoke out. She said that they don't care. You know, and I just was like, she gets it. Well, she and that's what I was going to say from your time, you know, the nine years that you spent mm-hmm. teaching and, and going through all of this, you know, what, what's sort of like a common, a common denominator and response from people? Are they just unaware? Because I think that's the thing. I, I, and especially now, are, are parents just unaware of what's happening in the classroom? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's hard for parents to demand a right to know these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet they have a right to know. They have a right to know. And it's it's just a battle. And it shouldn't be a battle for your kids in public schools. It just shouldn't be. I think that, you know, I would go before school boards when during that time because I was marketing basically that they would approve our program. Right. And I I was the way that I always couched it was you know, I'm not here to to put, you know, this sounds really bad, but I'm not here to put Planned Parenthood out of business because I don't think they're going anywhere, right? I, this is me telling you this. I wouldn't right. say that in the school district. But I mm-hmm. said, if you want them to go in and teach them how to do whatever, then I don't have, you know, that's okay. But you got to have our message too. Right. There has to be a balance. You have to present there has to be a balance. both sides. Yeah. And when I used to hear all the time, well, they're just going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like, who's taking responsibility for that statement? Mm -hmm. Who is taking responsibility for the decisions that they're making? Are you? No, you're not. 
So don't tell them that they're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Because but that's, you're just, but that's exactly what all of this comprehensive sex ed is yeah. doing. Yeah. So I think people just need to have the, you know, the grit and the backbone to just say, no, you're not going to be responsible for the, the uh, post-abortion syndrome that they're experiencing. Yeah. Or, the, you know, I, a girl came up in tears after she heard, heard our STD talk. Um, Cause we would talk about all the different diseases, but it, big on the scene back then was human papillomavirus mm. because it was, you know, and yes, they have this vaccine now, but it, there's so many different strains of that virus. Mm. The vaccine doesn't cover them all, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, it is an attempt to um, help prevent cervical cancer. But this one girl, 16 years old came up. She has, she had a bad case of human papillomavirus. Mm that required going in and getting warts surgically removed on a periodic basis, 16 years old. Yeah. And she just was crying. She goes, nobody told me about this. That's that's so sad. That's, that's, and, and, you know, you can be a Planned Parenthood teacher and teach about STDs, but you're always going to have that communication coming forth of minimizing it. Just like when you go to the abortion clinics, Oh, it's not a baby. Yeah. No. It's not a baby. It's, oh, it's just, you know, in fact, when I worked in the abortion clinic, one woman in the group said, is it killing? And I'm, I'm like, oh, gosh, how do I answer this? Because mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer it. My director was sitting right next to me. For some reason, she was in the class that day, right? Mm-hmm. So she got to be responsible for that one. So I looked over at her. And she just said, well, if you think killing a fly is killing, because that's about the size of it right now. And so minimizing it to an unwanted bug, this was her child. She was fighting for her child. Yeah. And this is this was their response. They, and, know, in the, and, and, and in those situations, they're confused. They're panicked. They, you know, they, they need to figure a way out of this because it, it's an insurmountable mountain that they don't know how to climb. I, I wrote a previous article for that 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 same uh, mm-hmm. watchman, the Alaskan watchman. On it was an ex-abortion worker. It was a discussion about how they do exploit the fear of women mm-hmm. completely. Yep. And you know we know about fear and exploitation today. Oh Very. yes, we do. And that it's it, it just seems more paramount right now. And, um, but that's exactly what I can send you that article if you want me to. But, yes, um, please do. That, that was another one I wrote that, um, then I, you know, I was like, okay, so this is really black, but let me tell you about a hopeful message that I want to share. And that's mm-hmm. when I wrote that second article, because I, we had just had a Fairbanks school district up here, get caught having pornography in this, in the library and stuff, you know, soft porn. That's another battle. That's another battle. So, you know, when I was a, when I was a single mom and I was having, because I was running a nonprofit for a bulk of that time. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was doing something pretty, uh, that pretty responsible, but I always used to say to, to the Lord, these are your kids. You are the father to the fatherless. And we went to church. We had a really tight knit church family that kind of took us in and under their wings. So, but all of my kids are living in the Lord are in Christ and they're um, it's just, 
I I think as a single mom, I just took that responsibility very serious because I didn't have the gospel when I grew up and I made a mess of my life for half for the first 30 years. And I, um, I knew that if there was nothing else that they were given, my responsibility was to pass on the gospel to them Mm -hmm. because that's all they need. Yeah. It's hard to be a parent these days. I think, you know, you've just got battle after battle after battle, but, but if you, you know, there's the parent rights and education groups. There's the Protect Child Health Coalition. There's many others. There's, uh, you know, groups popping up all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And there's probably yeah, one- Moms for Liberty. I just saw some of them. Oh yeah, yeah, there's there's people all over who are. I and I'm so thankful. I mean, to see parents engaging because I think I think that for so long we just didn't know. <laughs> you know, like we were unaware. You know. And because you go from that generation to generation to generation, and, you know, when we started working on the mind polluters on this film, and what we found is the disbelief. People couldn't believe that this, no, this isn't happening. This, this isn't, ha- you know, that's not, you know, we, we all had sex education. It's not that bad. But what they don't realize is how much it's changed yeah, exactly. And and that's that's the problem. I think parents, it, you know, parents, I would say Christians, but anybody who really cares about their kids needs to pull them out of that that part, that environment. Really. Yeah. And especially this, because right now with the gender bending that's going on, too. I mean, you know, it's almost like Satan's got control of of all mm-hmm. of this. I mean, I knew a long time ago that when I became a Christian and as I've grown in this area, that this was his, this was his uh, play field, playing ground. If he mm-hmm. could just keep us, you know, and even the church has gotten off track on this. And, you know, oh, yeah. many, you know they, mm-hmm. there's a, uh, our pastor just told us a story yesterday about, uh, a, a guy who thought he was called into the ministry at the age of 12 and grew this church and then all of a sudden decided he was a woman and his his baptist board on his uh, they they told him to leave but it wasn't unanimous <laughs> oh <my laughs> you know, it wasn't a unanimous vote so you know when you start compromising the word of god you start compromising mm-hmm. your, in your life then this is what's going to happen. And we see that happening. And so it's going to come down to really just drawing that line and sticking with it, no matter what happens. And, and if you have to homeschool, you know, are your children worth it? You know, is future generation worth it? Like looking long-term and generationally, you know, how, how, how much do you care? Right. And I, I kind of feel like a, the, a voice out, one little voice out there. But, you know, um, there's a lot of kids that don't have active parents that have parents right. that are just continuing to trust the school system. And mm-hmm. it's sad. It's sad that parents cannot trust the school system, you know, mm-hmm. but there's there's a, a movement happening. Mm-hmm. It's encouraging to see. It had to get really d- bad before, you know, things rise up. But sometimes yeah. that's the way God works. These are God's people rising up, just like he, I was just reading in my Bible study how in Malachi, he will rise. He will rise. And it's just like 
that's such an encouraging thing to remember about who God is. Yeah. You know, they can, they can try, but he is not going to let them win. He will rise up and he will rise up in his people, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what's, that's what we see going on. And it's very hopeful. Well, thank you, Priscilla, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and I look forward to connecting with you again. All right. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you for sticking around to the end, my friends. It was a great pleasure to have Priscilla on the show today. Be sure to check out her article in Alaska Watchman at the link below. Also, big announcement, the Mind Polluters will have its first public screening this weekend on Sunday, November 28th, 2021 in Noblesville, Indiana at Life Church. You can find out more information by visiting the website, themindpolluters.com. If you are in the area and available, we'd love to meet you in person. So from our home to yours, happy Thanksgiving this week. Have a wonderfully blessed week. Music.